Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, I don't know if you have caught my Medium article about, you know, we shouldn't have people being afraid to wake up in America. We should also give them opportunities of all kinds. And my next guest, who's with me right now, Benjamin Aronson. By the way, welcome aboard to Alex Garrett Podcasting. Thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, no worries. Happy to be here. And uh, and yeah, I did catch your Medium article um, and, you know, trying to do my part, as I think a lot of people are, to to really enact change. Well, and we'll talk about that, but let me just give you a rundown of who Benjamin is. He's the Group Director Global Strategy at Mediacom. Uh, is Medium, how long has Mediacom been around? Because this is the first time I'm hearing of them. Oh, uh, I would guess 40, 50 years. Uh, we're the third largest media agency in the world, so pretty, pretty big company. And do you do podcasts often? I imagine you do, having, the, having that you're in the media. Uh, yeah, so we, I, my day job is media as in like a media sales strategy. So we figure out where commercials, uh, get aired and when, what brands do with their marketing strategy. But I also, uh, built up and co-founded a podcasting company and, and sold out half of it to the athletic. So fairly familiar with the space. I've, uh, yeah, the athletic is, is something that was groundbreaking when it came to the Astros, right? That was probably their big, huge breaker with, uh, with the pitcher there. So that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about what you're doing right now, which is you're opening up the door to minorities, to people who may not have the chance. You're giving them that chance. So talk to us about it. Yeah, I think when you look at the advertising or uh, marketing industry on a whole, you see uh, an exacerbation of the uh, racial uh, disparities that you see throughout our country and, and economic disparity. And you see a predominantly white industry, predominantly male industry. Um, and the realities are, if you are poor, you are unlikely to know people to be aware of this industry. If you are a minority, you are unlikely to be aware of this industry as you are young. And it is through awareness and opportunities that people, you know, gain footholds into these businesses. And, you know, it is impossible to sell products and to market and be creative anymore with a myopic lens of just white people, especially white males, um, which yes, I am one, um, but I've been around, uh, you know, the industry long enough and I've grown up in diverse communities and the data tells us both uh, empirically and anecdotally that diversity improves the quality of problem solving. Um, but we need to start applying that, that approach to how we build our teams. And so, you know, my, my real initiative here and, um, is to figure out how we can equip young minority talent with awareness uh, of the, the marketing and advertising and creative industries, uh, the knowledge so that they can learn some of the things that, you know, you probably would only learn while on the job, which can then help them do better in job interviews and get greater opportunities. And then lastly, to, to open up my network as best as possible with guest speakers, uh, with opportunities and sharing job boards uh, to try and just get the talent pool going because, um, there's absolutely no reason that any industry anymore is 
is dominated by white people. And honestly, uh, to speak quite frankly, it fucking sucks anyway. Uh, you know, you want to work around people who are different from you, who are interesting, who bring different perspectives to the table, and it just enhances everything we do. You know, Benjamin, I've also found that it's about a quota in certain companies, but I would say the best way to do this is through merit, right? Through earning the position instead of sort of a, a quota that companies have to meet? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that anybody, quote unquote, didn't earn it. I just think it's about acknowledging that you need to put in real efforts to get diversity. And while I wouldn't say you need to have a quota, um, I certainly don't think, especially when you're talking about entry-level jobs, that there's any real way for somebody to have earned it more than somebody else. At the end of the day, most people who graduate from college are not job prepared. You know, they learn how to do their job by being on the job. And so what I think we need to do is start changing the way we do hiring uh, and stop putting so much emphasis on the university somebody graduated from or sometimes even going to college at all. Give people a chance to show themselves in a different way and really, you know, bring in talent and groom it because that's, that's what happens, you know, for white people for the most part is they know somebody or a friend of a friend and they get them the interview. You're not job prepared, but they say, well, we'll give you a shot. You know, you seem smart. You seem good. We need to create those opportunities for minorities more often. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I got to ask, you obviously have been seeing this from, from different perspectives since the death of George Floyd to the point where you were motivated to do something. So what was your tipping point to say, you know what, I am, as you say, going to put my, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Come work with me. What, what was the tipping point for you? Um, you know, this is something that has been uh, really important to me for about 20 years. Uh, you know, my childhood was one that was, was a little um, sad and, and broken apart. Uh, and, you know, at different stages in my life, the, the minority, minority communities of, of different types really took me in. And by the time I was in high school and then in college, you know, my friends were literally all races, ethnicities. But when you, when you are friends with people like that and you are white, you do get exposed and see the racism and the things that are working against them at, at a much closer hand than you do if you are just kind of like somebody who reads about this stuff in the papers. And, you know, I would see my, my best friend, my, my friend Mo from college, uh, he was my best man at my wedding, big, strong black kid, went to Lehigh with me, was an engineering student, football player. I've seen him break up a fight between two white people, and he's the one the cops tackle and arrest, um, when he was the one breaking up the fight. And I've seen this stuff too much, and I've always voiced my efforts, uh, you know, in my writing, in my podcasting, when I've appeared at stuff, uh, through charity work. Um, but I won't lie, uh, the death of George Floyd and the way the communities opened up and and honestly some of the ignorance that also showed on the other side yeah. just make me made me say I've got to do more within the walls of my office you know it's not enough to just complain to HR or to voice things that we need to change and we need to be better um, 
it's something that's just rampant throughout the entire industry. And so I thought I would do the thing that is uh, I'm most able to. I can't just hire everyone, but I can help a whole lot of people be more skilled and be better applicants so that they can get these opportunities and excel when they get them. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's something that I just decided there's absolutely no reason for me to wait anymore. I'm just going to do it. Benjamin, you also are pretty aware of your platform. So was that an inspiration too? Like, hey, I've got this thing. I want to do something now that I know that my influence is out there. I want to be a change maker. Did that come into play at all? A hundred percent. You know, when you're, I've got a young family. You know, my, my son is, is 20 months old. My wife just left her her career as a sports anchor to um, to go get her PhD. Uh, and I'm in an interracial couple, you know, my wife is, is Asian, I'm white. And so, you know, you look around and it's like, well, I've achieved more success than I think maybe I was aware of as, as of like a year ago. And I thought it was time that I could do things, even if maybe it might cause some public backlash, even if maybe, um, there's a chance, you know, some other agencies or companies might not like what I'm doing. But I feel like comfortable enough that I've achieved achieved what I need to, that I can pay the bills for my family, that I can have a job. And if I can shake things up a little bit, you know, I feel like I, I have that ability now and I, I don't want to waste it. And and with this ability, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you're getting backlash. Do you want to explain on that? Because that you think people would want to get behind an effort that you're doing. No, I'm not saying that I have gotten backlash, but I'm just aware that it could happen, right? There, there are people out there who don't think that you should be uh, taking your efforts and helping other people, um, specifically of other races. And my company happens to be very supportive of, of these types of efforts, uh, but I'm aware that there are companies that wouldn't be, and there are people who wouldn't be. Um, you know, I'm doing this on my own, uh, and I've, I've got the support of a bunch of my friends, uh, younger people who work for me, older people who work with me, uh, talented people all throughout the industry. And so, like I said, I want to use that platform, but you just never know how people are going to react. And to be honest, right, as a white, as a white male, people in the black community could say, could say, hey, he's just trying to be a white savior, a white whatever. And you know, I'm just trying to do my part. I don't think that makes me a, a great person, a hero, an ally, right? It makes me just a person who's trying. And that's all I, that's all I really care about is, is really helping um, people who have just been systematically oppressed uh, for hundreds of years. And I can tell that you're not, you know, a bandwagoner that might post Blackout Tuesday. You actually are really invested in this. And I love that about just this conversation alone so far, that you're so invested in this that you aren't just someone jumping on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. You're really trying to make a difference here. Yeah, I mean, listen, I have cousins who are black. My best friends are black. And it's not even just about black, right? It's mm-hmm. Hispanics are picked on at an, at an equal level. Um, the Asian community can, can be treated in abhorrent ways. This, like I said, is something that has meant a lot to me for years. Um, and while I've given back in multiple kind of smaller ways. This was the first time I came up with a way to help uh, at a larger level. And to be honest, 
I really thought when I put up that post on LinkedIn, I might get 10 or 12 people who are interested. We're up to 250. Um, so it's gone from kind of like a mentorship group to what uh, is going to be more like a webinar class, but it's great. I mean, if, if in any way, you know, 250 people find value in this and, and it helps them in any way in their career, I feel grateful. I have the post up now. It's actually got 455. So you've really touched a, a big chord here and that's awesome. I want to ask you about the college because you kind of said how universities may not be doing their job in preparing everybody. I mean, obviously everybody needs a little more training once they're in the job, but do you find the career centers are a little more biased? Like they would treat a white kid a little better than African-American or what, what would you say to that? Are the career centers helping the minorities or are they hurting them? Uh, you know, I have not worked within the, or worked with or within the career centers in a long time. What I can tell you about colleges are there are certain careers um, that they prepare you for better than others. Um, but for the most part, colleges are meant to just give you foundational uh, skill sets, right? Critical thinking, uh, polish your writing and grammatical skills, um, and then maybe some job-specific base knowledge, but they don't teach you how to do your job. And the marketing creative industries, for the most part, um, as long as you can write well and you can think critically, almost everything else is learned on the job. Uh, but the problem with colleges are the entire collegiate system is biased against minorities. Uh, from the cost to the admissions process uh, to uh, just the development of minorities who have been statistically put in underprivileged, under um, finance schools in, for high school and junior high and elementary school. So you're just not getting the same talent pool. But then also, when you graduate from college, the primary way people get jobs right now is through some form of family or friend connection, right? It's, it's even if it's two steps away, it's like, oh, you know, I, like for instance, you know, my dad died when I was seven. You know, my stepfather, stepfather was abusive and I kicked him out of the house by the time I was 13. My mom is not mentally well. Um, so I didn't grow up in, in, in a great home. But I did have some cousins who were kind of successful and they introduced me to some people and helped me get my first job. That isn't something that's, that's available for a, a race of people who have been predominantly held back by economic and uh, racial institutions for, for hundreds of years. If, if, if your grandfather was just considered a voting citizen 50, 60 years ago, um, what are the chances you have a family filled with college graduates who have jobs who can introduce you to people? Uh, the system just hasn't been fair for them. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's the college career centers, although I don't really, I'm not an expert on where they're at right now. I'd say it's much more just kind of acknowledgement of the educational system and, and what that does for, for our career paths. You're kind of, <clears throat> kind of reminding me of, of the next question which is trauma, right? So you face trauma and people who are minorities have the trauma. So it seems like you can help heal people's trauma. And I think working does that, right? If they're able to get to work, they will be healing their trauma as they go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to say that uh, 
I'm not I'm not a psychologist, so I don't want to say that all minorities have have faced trauma, although although there are plenty of studies to show that that the subtle racisms that they face and 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 things like that can cause it and, and there's studies that are called generational trauma. Um but you know what I think is helpful for people is when you feel a sense of security, um you are able to unearth things about yourself and find peace and happiness uh, because that's like Maslow's, I believe, foundational need, right, is that sense of safety and security. And in the modern world, money, to a certain extent, is that first thing. It allows you to put a roof over your head. It allows you to uh, feed yourself, to clothe yourself, to take care of family. So if we can give people that security, um, I think that goes a long way. And then I won't lie. I like talking to people and learning who they are and helping them through stuff. So even though that goes beyond kind of job training and strategy and whatnot, I've always been a person who's very passionate about that. Uh, and it's actually kind of fun because my wife, as I mentioned, kind of like left being a sports anchor to be a psychologist. So she's doing her PhD. She's actually in the other room on in class right now. Um, so, you know, it's something that's just really important to us as a household, which is, you know, helping people grow, helping them mature, helping them to heal, helping them to deal with themselves, because I will translate this back to, to work and what your question was. At the end of the day, marketing is tremendously based in understanding people uh, and, and needs and emotions. So if you can't understand yourself, it's very hard to kind of like apply that to other people. Benjamin, I got to ask though, so you have this opening, right? Um, what are you looking for though? Like what, you're obviously looking for driven people. So how do you work to connect with those who are driven um, and want to be part of your project? So right now what we're, what we're creating is, is a class. And I wanted to make it feel, you know, originally when it was 10 to, when I thought I would only get 10 to 12 people, I had a different kind of concept in mind. Um, but if it's going to be this many, 200, 250, the plan is to start out with very, very practical skill development around the strategic space um, it, as a segment. So each class will have like a 20 minute, uh, kind of like learn a specific skill. Um, then what we wanna have is uh, a 20 minute uh, conversation uh, between the class and some sort of expert around something specific. So we will field questions from the class and they, that, those questions will drive the conversation rather than it being me and that person. It's going to be questions from the class that we allow to drive it. And then the last thing we're going to do is uh, allow people to submit some real world challenges they're facing. Um, and we're actually going to bring them up kind of like a co-speaker to mentor them publicly in front of the group. Yes. Um, but it's going to be something where if they have a school project that they want some help on, or if they want to ask a question about preparing for a job interview, um, or if they want to kind of take a work assignment and, and have, have me and our guests break it down, you know, we will do that with them. So the way I see it is you'll get out of it whatever you want to get out of it. Um, if you're just interested in casually dropping in and dropping out, I think it'll be interesting. But if you're interested in like really learning and growing, uh, you know, I think we're going to have the format there for you to like legitimately learn how to operate within the marketing world uh, if you were to get hired tomorrow. 
and there are so many creatives out there that are looking for this kind of opportunity. I'm sure they're hungry for it too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's really overwhelming when you see how many people want to do what I get to do for a job every day. And I'm not curing cancer. I'm not doing anything um, that I think is life-changing. In fact, getting this class off the ground will probably be the most uh, meaning, meaningful thing I've done professionally in terms of like larger impact. But I'm fortunate to have a job and a career uh, that people want to do. And so I think that it's going to be fun and I think it's going to be a, a good time for a lot of people. Have any other industries and, and people in the industry taken your lead on this and done things in their own industry that they're telling you about? So I think you're seeing a lot of a lot of people really, really ramping up their initiatives. They're changing their hiring practices um, and trying to take steps forward. I think the the reality is we're not going to see all the work done. All we're seeing right now are the posts being made about what people want to do. And I think, I think there are so many people who are committed to doing this. I just hope that in four weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks, you know, people stay as committed to their efforts as they are today. And listen, if this class of 250 people whittles down to 10 people in eight weeks, so be it. I'll still be happy to work with those 10 people. Um, and if it whittles down to zero because people just have their busy lives, well, then I'll figure out some other way to help. But the fact of the matter is, it's time for people. And since white people tend to hold the higher positions in the majority of companies, it is time for us to open up the fucking doors and help some people that don't look like us. And not because we need quotas, not because of anything other than people deserve a chance. And if you really want to see it, the empirical data will show your business will actually financially perform better. But I just want to do it because I don't think there's probably anything worse than feeling like you just can't get a chance to try. Uh, that's got to feel awful. Uh, and I want to do my part to eliminate that. Benjamin, uh, Ben Aronson, who we're talking to from Mediacom. Ben, uh, this is coming at the perfect time, too, because, you know, a lot of small business owners that are minorities might have lost a lot of business during this time. And I think you might see some of those flowing to your network. Have you seen that? Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I actually wrote an article, uh, uh, sorry, not an article, POV for Dell, who's one of my clients. And I don't think people have fully processed the idea that we're not going to ever return to the old normal. Um, I think that we are going to go through a period of digital transformation that was always going to come, um, but is now just going to come a lot faster because people need to. I think you're going to see, for instance, restaurants move to digital ordering systems instead of waiters at a much faster rate. Um, you've already seen restaurants like Chili's and McDonald's roll these things out globally, um, you know, with their iPad ordering systems and stuff. But that's just like the most basic everyday version. But I think we're going to see a lot of changes. And I don't think the average small business owner has fully 
process what that means. I think for the most part, the people who are out of work because their business had to close um, are still planning, unfortunately, to be able to figure out some way to go back to what they were doing before. Uh, so one of the initiatives that we're trying to tackle at a larger scale level with some of my clients is how do we provide, you know, job transition training for people uh, and, and help people to the next phase of their careers? Because uh, it is going to be really challenging 20 years with, with the future of automation. Ben, did you find, and I, I, I have found this too, I found during these last three weeks, no one was saying these, you know, we should empower people to you know, we should empower people. And then, and then I just didn't see that. I mean, have you been frustrated with the messaging during this protesting that maybe it should be directed to more empowering as well as saying, yes, you matter. Um, you can also be empowered too. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong on that or, or what, what you think of that. So I, it's not that I think you're wrong at all. I think that the reality is the black community feels like they are begging for the most basic level of human right, the right to live, um, the right to liberty uh, in this moment. And that's where Black Lives Matter kind of stems from. Uh, I do agree with you, um, however, that whether it's the messaging or not, the, the work and effort that needs to go in once you move beyond uh, police reform uh, and judicial reform is the empowerment of black voices, uh, which comes in twofold. One, uh, by better funding and developing our educational systems in lower income areas. And then two, by opening up higher education and job uh, opportunities for those communities, right? Really promoting brands, spending money and, and empowering them. Uh, when you look at platforms like The Uninterrupted, who I do some work with uh, and, and know the guys over there, you know, pretty well, you know, that's exactly it, right? It's not about, it, it doesn't have to be all black people, but they are black owned and they are promoting and empowering voices. They're doing a great job of showcasing what was previously perceived to be just the athlete as so much more than that. Um, and I think we need a lot more of that. Um, we definitely do. And, and thanks for taking time to do this. I, I gotta ask another thing about the media and there's now terms being thrown around about gaslighting, whether it's gaslighting COVID, have they started to gaslight, like, you know, we're through that there's reform coming. Have you seen gaslighting even with the movement, um, from, from the media now that we're past all of it, so to speak? Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't really want to comment on the news cause it's such a, a, a fraught topic. Um, but what I can say is this, you know, focus less on the, uh, the opinions and focus more on the facts and the intent, right? And if people are trying to portray and, and the protesters as rioters, you know, just look at the data. You know, when you're in New York City and you've got 100,000 people um, protesting, if the majority of those people were really rioters, the city would have come down like gangs in New York, right? Um, it's just not the case. Uh, and we've got to, to stay away from that. Likewise, I can't stand Donald Trump at any level. 
I'm the furthest thing from a Republican. I can't stand the entire Republican Party. But we also, as liberals, as Democrats, can't let ourselves get wrapped up in making jokes or trying to tear Trump down to like how he holds a coffee mug. Like that shit doesn't go anywhere. It's not productive. And it just helps us lose credibility um, when we try to make real points. So what I'd say is the, the most wasted emotion is anger. And so if we can turn anger into productivity and focus instead of trying to like vent and release energy on doing positive and productive things. And by the way, I do think that the protests are positive, productive things. And I do think that some of the rioting um, and is justified. People are angry. I don't know how many times you, you can watch somebody who looks like you get shot and killed and nothing happens without wanting to punch a hole in the wall metaphorically or literally. So, um, but I do think that as that calms down, we need to, to focus our energy to helping people, um, reforming police, uh, changing our, our political systems, you know, voting in new people. Uh, and for instance, Juneteenth tomorrow, I'm so happy that it's a national holiday. That's tremendous. You know it'll be better? Making election day a national holiday so that people have the chance to vote and we can get past this voter suppression nonsense. Hey, I remember a time where I would take off school for election day, right? Now as an adult, you can't quite do that anymore. So I see where you're going. Yeah. Uh, ben, I got to ask you, you're a business guy. You're in this bit, you're in business, you're in media. But when you see these bigger, you know, when these, these huge companies come out and say, yeah, we're donating this, this, it's great. But do you ever feel like, why didn't you do that sooner? I, I don't know. It just seems like all this onrush could have been done a long time ago, no? Yeah. Uh, and I can completely take the blame. Um, I should have done something like this sooner. I, I don't think I felt like I had the credibility or authority to mentor people before. Um, so I think it's one of those weird points where uh, the social environment combined with my own kind of admittance of where I was at in my career, I'm a very, very ambitious person. And I feel like I'm always looking at what I've done is not good enough. I haven't achieved enough. I'm not that successful. Um, and I think I let that blind me to what I could do. Um, I will say I've been a very vocal person uh, within our companies at every company I've ever been about hiring practices, about subconscious biases. Um, so I have done things, but you're right. I could have done this sooner. And I think a lot of people could have done it sooner. And, you know, we have to accept that and not, not shirk the responsibility. And I wasn't necessarily faulting you. I just love it how these big businesses, you know, come in and say, yeah, we're doing this. And I'm just like the time, I mean, it's optics, I guess, too, for, for a lot of the big companies, but they could have done something sooner in my view. Cause you know, small businesses are right. Their butts off to do it every day. Well, listen, I think the reality is small businesses and big businesses when it comes to like racial inequities, have been failing across the board, but you're right that they are doing it now because of optics, because the social climate has risen to a point where it is in their best interest to do so. Um, but at the other hand, I was saying this to a friend the other day, um, I used to get so mad when I'd see somebody like since George Floyd passed, who is now all of a sudden gung-ho Black Lives Matter, when six weeks ago, I know for a fact that they didn't care. 
And it's like, should I be mad that they're late to the party or should I be happy that somebody changed? And I think the reality is for this movement to see itself forward as something that is impactful, we need people to change their minds and we need people to change their views. And if they're late, unfortunately, it's still better than never getting here. Um, but what I will say is we need to hold them accountable to not just putting out press statements, actually living up to it. You know, Benjamin, as, as you and I are white, I think, well, for me anyway, I realized during this whole time that, yes, I was friends with the black community, but I wasn't saying enough in their defense. And now I feel like that's the awareness that I have is like um, saying all, saying any of those slogans. I mean, it's just about making sure they know they matter. Um, but I think I should have called, you know, praised them more. I don't know how to say it, but it's just like, I think we sort of feel this need, you know, want to say, yes, we've been friends with them, but now we're finally going to say, yes, we support you in this fight, which I never really did up until now, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. It's, um, no, listen, that's, that's why I said, like, I've been on the open outward supporting uh, for years. And I think, I think, you know, a lot of white people have been in your camp, right? Like, hey, listen, I'm friends with black people. Like, genuinely, I don't even mean that the superficial, like I have one black friend. I mean, I'm friends with multiple black people. Like, I, I, isn't that being not racist? And I think that for the longest time, people saw that as the right way to behave. But I think whether it's due to the, like the rise in police brutality uh, or the publicity of it through, through body cams or the Trump administration, it's not enough to just be not racist. We now need to make sure people understand that we are anti-racist. And I think that that is the culpability. You know, I, I'm of a Jewish background and there there was that poem, you know, that I don't remember exactly, but it was like, you know, first they came for the Jews, then they came, and, and I didn't say anything. Then they came for, for the Blacks, and I didn't say anything. Then they came for the handicapped, and I didn't say anything. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to say anything, right? And, and the reality is, um, the indifference of good men is the evil that allows the, the the bad to be perpetuated, you know, and we have to stand up and we have a responsibility. And I think you're doing your part, even if you are overhearing things, which feel weird. Um, you know, I lived next to a project house in, in New York city for a couple of years. You know, I didn't cross the street when I saw people hanging outside of it and walked past, gave them a head nod, let them know that I saw them as people. And like, we were cool. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I became best friends with the guys in the projects, but like letting people know like, hey, what's up? I see you. And, and in a good way. Like that's all people want. Right? It, and we just need more of that. Well, and it's, it is interesting. So I rollerblade around New York on one leg and um, it's just, it's so fun. But I do find those that want to make friends with me are actually uh, African-Americans and whatnot, because they understand that creativity, I guess. So I find myself like talking to them daily when I'm all rollerblading. It's pretty cool. Um, so my, and that leads me to my next question. 
as far as the disabled community goes, uh, how is that hiring with you guys? Um, is there much of a disabled community in your in your workspace? You know, I I don't think so. And to be honest, I will be the first to admit I don't know enough of the data on the hiring practices of companies around the disabled community, but I would have to guess that it is um, equally as bad as what is true with the black and minority community, um, because statistically, um, you know, the disabled community is, is a sizable population. And I work in an office of 4,000 people, and I would guess that, you know, maybe one or two percent are are disabled. Um, but then again, I'm also, to be fair, I'm just judging on on the eye test. You, you know what I mean? Like people could have, you know, a, a false leg, and I wouldn't know it per se. Um, but I would guess that that's that's honestly equally a challenge. Um, but the only thing that I think differs. Uh, you know, some of the disabled community from black community is for some of the disabled community who are white, they can hide their disability or not even hide it, but not be fearful that they're going to die walking out in the street right. just for being disabled. Um, but on the other hand, I'm sure that there are far more um, pressing fears that, that you guys face from uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, um, so I'm, I, I hate trying to like pit one oh, no, no. Uh, minority community I, against another. I was just curious. No, it's, it's very different experiences. And I don't know if you ever saw this story, but this one, I haven't really talked about publicly, but it really rattled me. I had seen an African-American, a black guy with one leg in San Francisco. There was a video of him being chased down by nine cops. And I was just like, so here I'm able to roll blade freely. And yet someone with the same disability who's a different color gets attacked. I, it didn't make sense to me. It really bothered me, to be honest with you. Yeah, and listen, I, I feel like that has got to be, um, I think it's got to be even worse when in those environments, though, you can see a little bit of yourself in it. You know what I mean? Like, if you, as, as a, a person with a disability, can see another person like that, even with a different skin color, I'm sure that you go, that could have been me. What is wrong with these people? Um, and, you know, you, I'm, I'm guessing based on your LinkedIn profile, do you live in Queens? I do live in Queens and it's pretty darn safe around here, which I'm very blessed about. <laughs> yeah, and Queens, has, Queens, Queens is probably like uh, one of the most diverse boroughs in New York City. Um, and I think that the reality is us as New Yorkers, I think, get a little desensitized to how bad racism is outside of New York, even though, trust me, we, we get to see our fair share as New Yorkers. But I do think for the most part, people in New York are just trying to do their shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think we have it better than most places. I was just thinking today, I mean, we're able to be in our backyard or have our laptop with us wherever. And it's just like, that's not a reality for some. And I want to change that. I want to make that a reality for some or for all, because people should be able to have the necessities that we have and the luxuries that we have because um, they deserve it too. 
Yeah, 100%. So I think you're inspiring me to try and get a movement going too. I, I just got to figure out how to do it because sometimes podcasting is fun and this is great, but I don't know. I, I think there's more I could do with this than, than a podcast. And maybe you can help me figure that out off the air. I'm not sure, but I, I'd love to try and figure out ways to do this. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to, man. This was, this was a great conversation. Um, and I would definitely uh, like to help you figure out what you can do. Uh, so feel free to email me and we will, we will catch up about that. And Ben, before you go, what's your contact for people who are interested in actually being part of the program or wanting to know more about it or even supporting it? I mean, I'm sure you're looking for supporters of the program as well. So how can they all reach you? Yeah, so you guys can just find me, uh, Benjamin Aronson on LinkedIn or uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my, my email address or, or my handle is my old blog, which is the, T-H-E, 30, the number three zero-ish, I-S-H, so the 30-ish. Um, or you can just go to my website, aronsonben.com. Ben Aronson of, uh, excuse me, of Mediacom, thanks for joining us and have the best luck with your project. And we'll be supporting you every step of the way. Thank you very much, Alex. Really a pleasure. Have a good night. You too. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon.